Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse Podcast, Explosions and Fire. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. And this week on the Infernal Schoolhouse Podcast, we're talking to Aaron File, another Aaron, who has developed a new game called Alone in the Woods. And we're excited to hear all about it in the Kickstarter campaign that is coming soon. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Hey, thank you all both for having me. Aaron, Absolutely. Aaron. 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 <laughs> How about we just call me AK for this episode, since that's okay. my initials anyway, so a little bit easier. Yeah. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your origin story and how you came to develop this game. Yeah, so this game this game came about whenever I was just looking for something new, and I watched The Witch, the A24 film, pretty apropos since you have the Black Phillip backdrop on right now, <laughs> and I was taken aback by how stunning... And just um, just lovingly crafted that film was and how true it was to a source material. And so I wanted to create something that was as dedicated to a time period and of a genre in a board game and also create something that really expanded on a lot of ideas that I've, I've wanted to have in board games, like like more spaces beyond the main game table and just really doing something else with social deduction because that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite genres as well. And so I got to work and, you know, created something that was completely unplayable at first. We tried playing it one night. The first night we played it, it was, it was a abysmal playthrough. <laughs> we couldn't finish. It was, it was downright awful. So after about six years in the making, it's, it's ready to be on Kickstarter and it's got a lot of support from all of my friends and family and people on social media. And yeah, I'm just really excited for more people to play it and to just share what I've been working on. That is so cool. And yeah, when I, I found you on Instagram and the thing that uh, really struck me was the, the kind of striking visuals that you have for the game, the board itself looks really, really cool and almost kind of like vintage. And I remember I quickly started chatting with you and I invited you on the show. And then I, I remember being like, wait, is there role play in this game? Since Aaron and I are very much like uh, tabletop role playing. So this is a little bit of a cross genre, I think, for us and potentially for you. But I'm really interested to hear you talk about the game mechanics and you know how, how you would see and maybe how we would see board games versus tabletop role playing games and if there is any intersection there. All right. Yeah. So the... Great thing about this game is that I think I find a lot of D&D players really latch on to the themes and, and just the immersion of the game because you do embody a role. And like all social deduction games, everyone is given a hidden role that you cannot reveal to other players. And which, in the game, which, by the way, sorry to interrupt. That's a that's a component of D&D sometimes that is really, really fun. Um, oh, where really? You, yeah, where you, it's not a mechanic, but you can do it. Um, Aaron and I have done it in games before too, where it was like, hey, don't tell anybody, but also X. So sorry to interrupt, but I just saw that connection there. Oh no, that's so awesome. I think it's one of, it adds this level of drama to gaming that I just, I can't get enough of. And I love dramatic arts. I'm from a, a theater family. So the idea of hidden roles has always appealed to me. So in, in Alone in the Woods, every player is a villager or a witch. And the witches are seeking revenge on the village for blaming them for like all of the ruined crops, all of the the water has been tainted and, and the lumber is black with rot. So the village has to cast blame on somebody else. They they can't take it on themselves. So they blame this witch and the witch is here to seek revenge. 
Oh my um, God. I love it already. <laughs> you, you were right. Yeah. D and D player here. And I'm like, Oh, get me in. I love it. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I'm picturing like Wednesday Adams, like at the, that Thanksgiving scene in the movie where she's like, we're going to take your village burn it to the ground oh my gosh i should just that should just be the kickstarter video it's just that <laughs> you, clip. if you if you could not get sued you, that would probably work really well because that's the vibe <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah so from there it, it starts to take a few different gameplay mechanic turns so the witches are trying to destroy the village by eliminating the meat water and lumber resources and these are separate little tokens that the village is trying to protect and when the witches eliminate those, they fill the pentagram up with the marbles. And if the pentagram is filled to the to the brim and, and fills the last spot on the pentagram, they've gained their full power and they win the game. Um, also, the witches can win the game if uh, every player turns into a witch, which can happen. Um, so that's kind of a fun, like infectious way to play the game. Oh my God, uh, all I want out of my life right now is to fill the pentagram up with marbles. <laughs> like that's just... <laughs> It's my new life goal. <laughs> and then and then we're good. And then and then we can just just that's that's like the career defining moment. That's amazing. I nice. So on a scale of like one to five, how much of small child abduction is there in the game? What are we talking about here? They're actually oh my gosh, it's it's funny you bring that up. There is funny a, you should ask. <laughs> there is a card that is called the child, and it's it's kind of representative of like the child that gets lost in the woods <laughs> and the witches like try to eat them. Oh, that's so funny. The foresight you have is amazing. <laughs> so then the villagers, the villagers are trying to do the opposite thing here. They are trying to save the village by finding more resources out in the woods and bring them back to keep the resources plentiful and survive long enough to really hold a trial at the end of the game. And then they get to execute all of the suspected witches. Mm. Um, but really, whoever has the most surviving players by the end of the game is going to win. Um, the witches winning in a tie. Uh, the thing that throws this for a loop is, and it's one of my favorite mechanics in the game, is that the starting witch player is known as the high witch. And the high witch and the other witches win as a team if they can fill the pentagram or if, if they turn everybody else into a witch. However, once the game goes to the trial rounds, the high witch is the dominant leader. And if they are alive at the end of the trial, then they steal the win from the, from the other teams. So both the villagers and the witches have to kill the high witch in order for their teams to win in the trial. So it can't just be this one domination of the witches and they're, they're, they're solid. They're in their ranks. You know, they're confident. They know who each other are and they're just going to kill the villagers. The witches have to turn on their leader in order for them to win. I have so many things going through my head right now. The two of them that I can summon at this moment. One, is there an age like age and above that you recommend for this game? Cause it sounds pretty dark. Oh, that's such a, it's a good question. It's funny because I've seen a lot of kids come up to the game and and ask about it at some of the markets I've been to. Yeah, and like, get out of here, are... kid. <laughs> yeah, no, and, like their parents are there too. Like, there's it's so funny. I'm like, wow, I, my I would have never been allowed to really engage with this game. A lot of a lot of parents would see the pentagram and be like, nope, keep on walking, kiddo. Yeah, super pass. So I would definitely say you know starting age would be around 
teenager years, I would say like 13 and up and obviously parental guidance (laughs) is involved. (laughs) Gosh, I just don't want to see this game end up in like some kid's room. And then like the parent walks in, what do you do? Instead of, instead of putting an age recommendation, just put like, ask your mom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They'll know what to do. I don't know. As they do, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar, but in the the annals of D and D history, there was uh, a time frame that we re- we call the Satanic Panic, and it was where mm. parents in the mid '80s became really, really scared that D and D was going to introduce their kids to devil worship and all these types of things. Yeah, and not just D and D, but like so much stuff, like metal. Yeah. I mean, just everything was kind of lumped together into the yeah. whole satanic panic yeah. thing. So I can just imagine this game going back to the eighties and some mom just losing it. Yeah. But also I love that you're just like you're like like D and D really went away from it and you're just like, no, that's what it is. <laughs> it's just the because I the board is like a big a big ass pentagram, right? Like just, oh, just yeah. right in the middle. I, I just think it's like get it out of the way, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this what's this is what this game is about, and from the get go, you understand that it's not a hidden message. And if that turns you off, then it's like, all right, I, I understand and I respect that, you know. Yeah. Um, go be a capitalist and just play Monopoly like everybody else. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I noticed, you know, looking at the actual game itself, I mean, it looks great. I love all the props. And I've noticed like a lot of, you know, very more New Englandy iconography, especially around the typesetting, you know, more similar to The Witch. And also just around the overall general style of the cards and the props you have, which look great on there. So how, how did you sort of pick those ideas on how you wanted to format things, whether it's the instruction manual, whether it's the cards to make it kind of give it that motif yeah that's a i love this question because it took a long time to really figure out the presentation of the game like i said i'm into theatrics i love creating a stage and my my angle on this game was that i wanted to create something that felt like it came straight out of the 17th century almost in a jumanji type of way whereas (laughs) You know, there's like this backstory that isn't even about the story of the game, but it's it's like how the game was made. And it's in my head, it's about these like young girls in like 1666 to be a little on the nose. And, you know, they like take their mom's tablecloth and like find some tarot cards and like print them onto paper and then find some buttons around the house and sort of threw this thing together and then shoved it into a black wine box and you know just left it in their attic and somebody else <laughs> found it 400 years later yeah i totally got that vibe the board itself looks like a, a relic it looks like something that you may, you'd maybe find in a creepy footlocker from that time frame <laughs> creepy footlocker <laughs> it's like, like oh it's like no put it back shoes. put it back <laughs> yeah you open it up and it's got that giant buckle on it and you're like oh shiny <laughs> Yeah, it's that part in the horror movie when the kids find the thing and everyone in the audience is screaming at them like, put it back. <laughs> yeah. Put it back. And they're like, no, it. we should totally play the record backwards and recite the words. It'll be cool. <laughs> Guzzles beer. Which is, I think that's the funniest thing, Brian, is that it's like nowadays 
you know, it, it has this super spooky vibe and that's the entire aesthetic of the game. But then you bring it out to like tables and everyone's got their beer, everyone's having fun. And it feels like one of these like cabin in the wood moments where yes, it's like exactly. everyone's playing with this thing that is super <laughs> dark, but we're just, it's a comedy. And I didn't expect that. I honestly wanted to create like a very scary game. Yeah. And it's just, it, it has these moments in it that are just funny. Dude, um, same. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt again. I, I can't help it. But same with D&D. &D. Dungeon Masters, when they'll craft their, their campaign, it'll be like, you know, Aaron will be like, all right, it's so dark and it has evil goats and everyone dies. And then the players will come to the table and they'll be like doing the goofiest stuff that you could possibly imagine. But somehow it works. And I think a lot of times when the, when the subject matter is so dark, that it's actually kind of cathartic to be goofy and laugh in these punctuated moments. So another interesting kind of parallel between our worlds, I think, is that that desire to find the laugh and to find the lightheartedness in the midst of something that can be really dark and brutal. Yeah, yeah, I, I resonate with that a lot. And I, I don't play too much D&D myself. And I really wish I had a group that did because... Oh, buddy, here we are. Be... You're, we're, we're right here, my friend. And we're all in the same city. So I have it written on the sheet in front of me. He must play D&D &D with us, exclamation, exclamation. Or Monster of the Week if he really wants the creep. So, I mean. Ooh, yes. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Monster of the Week is like D&D, &D, except it's uh, definitely more theatrical. So I know you talk about uh, your theatrical background. And essentially, there is a monster um, that the group has to essentially hunt down and stop. But you're not just you know, I don't know, some sort of badass who can do anything. You're actually just kind of squishy, regular humans. Yeah. And you have to you're, like a, you're like a 13 year old girl with a, like a stapler as your weapon. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. A lot of improv for sure. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm there. That sounds amazing. I would love to, I would love to play with y'all and just like teach me your ways. Yeah. Cause it's, well, and it's, it's funny. It's, it's a funny game. And, and I love the fact that it is so funny. Yeah. And so that's what I was going to ask you next is the process of playtesting. You mentioned a little bit that round one was a, was a disaster, but can you talk us through maybe sort of like the evolution and, and how you've edited, omitted and added to kind of get it to where you're ready for prime time? Yeah, this is, like I said, it's a six year journey for anyone that wants to get into designing a game. I will tell you that you have to for the industry term is kill your babies and in keeping with the dark theme here, right? yeah yeah it's all God. yeah this is a witch podcast now that's right so yeah the the game started off actually not even just about witches but it also included werewolves and vampires and i wanted it to be this sort of witch way adventure game where every player was kind of uh leaning towards you know a, a witch affiliation or a werewolf affiliation or a vampire affiliation and you were trying to vie for your team to really emerge as the monster at the end of the game and sort of like overcome and that was a disaster and probably of lack of experience at that point and so i i nixed that immediately and decided the witches were really where i wanted to focus because i felt like the witch hysteria and the 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 story and the history of witches is really important to new england and just sort of like the birth of america and we know we talk about witch hunts today like it's just a through line through history and it's one of like a one of history's true social deduction games so i i latched onto that really hard and then over the course of time this game has seen so many things be eliminated so many different types of gameplay 
that I thought would be, you know, emerging or super fun. And like, you find a new strategy to play and it just confuses people. Like, for for instance, or, or frustrates people, for instance, in this game, you cast spells on each other, or the witches do, I should say. Oh my god, and so d and I can't even right now. They can silence you, so they can like silence you, blind you, weaken you, and if you're silenced, you literally can't speak until you cure yourself with some water. And that, you know, the water is like a precious resource, so it's really like a, a weight of decision there. But in, I used to have it where if someone blinded you, you literally had to put on a blindfold and play the game <laughs> without being able to see. And I was like, yeah, let's just let's just make this weird. And people were like, Aaron, you cannot do that to other people. But we played it a few times and, I, and someone was silenced and blind for like an hour. You're like, hey, thanks for playing my fun game. I'm going to tie you up and blindfold you right now. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, you can't do that, man. And I was like, they're like, dude, sure. I'm going to go, actually. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> Thanks. For sure. So like, that's that's an extreme example. But there's been a lot of edits to this game. I, I it's may you know, I would say this game is maybe 15% of the original idea that I had for this. <laughs> and it's just boiled down to this like core nugget. And even then, like the game is the game is kind of dense. You really have to want to play a game. And once you get it, it, it kind of falls into place. But you have to kind of absorb these rules first. And then you're able to really settle in and then, you know, knock back a couple beers. As you're describing this process, it reminds me of the the Michelangelo quote where they're like, you know, how did you do it? And he's like, I just removed all the parts of the stone that weren't supposed to be there. You're yeah. Just like taking away all these seemingly good ideas until you're left with something cool. It's so funny you say that because it, it felt like the game was making itself at a point. Like there was things that just needed to be removed because there weren't supposed to be there. And the game was just like kind of finding itself. And it wasn't even like necessarily me who did it. It's that's such a weird, heady thing to say. But that that is how it felt. No, I love it. It's like the flow state, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask with with your different playtests, what sort of time frame are you looking at from a, a playthrough whenever players sit down to actually play this game? So I would say it's about 15 or 20 minutes per player, and it can go up to eight players. Your first time playing the game, you have to get through the rules first, and that's mm -hmm. you know a necessary situation. And I would say the first time you're playing this game, it's going to be like a two, two and a half hour situation. Right. Once you've Once you've played it, you know, and you know what's going on, you can play the game in about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how, like, you know, <laughs> how much you keep pace, right? right. <laughs> you can, like, reel in the cats. Sometimes when you have a lot of players, you, I'm sure you'll know how that is in D&D. &D. Oh, uh, yeah. But that's, like, the fun of it. That's the fun of it. Nice. So is is the witch uh, safe word for the blindfold? Is that either in Latin or Old English? What are we looking at in that one? Huh. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't even. Well, I don't even understand the question. The witch. That's all blindfold. right. <laughs> you talking about blindfolding the players earlier and then binding them up? Oh, so. <laughs> that was that was Aaron's oh obligatory uh, BDSM joke. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it was so over my head, man. I, I just. <laughs> The guy who designed the witch game is too pure to pick up on the... <laughs> I love it. I Aaron, love it. Us... Aaron, I'm curious about the process of uh, creating a Kickstarter and working with that site and getting that whole thing off the ground. Can you kind of talk us through that a little bit and like what your experience has been? 
Yeah, so it's been it's been very user friendly to go through Kickstarter and I think the process, you know, if I had any advice to give anybody is like make your Kickstarter campaign like as soon as possible so that you can get as many followers as possible. But you know, we we started to really like decide like we wanted to do the Kickstarter this year and launch the Kickstarter back in the spring. And, uh, you know, we, we've been working hard to get people to just follow it and come to the page. And then when it comes to the page itself, it really takes, pun intended, a village to make the Kickstarter happen. Honestly, I, I can't do it by myself. It's it's taken me and my girlfriends and family members who are really great at graphic design. My brother is also an editor, Aaron. So he's, you know, he knows how to really cut a video together. And... You know, we've all come together to really create the page for the for the Kickstarter, but it's intense. It's intense, especially when you look at a lot of successful campaigns out there and you're this is your you know, when this is your first game, it's like, oh, my gosh, there are so many things that I need to communicate and have people see and read to get excited about this game. So it's a daunting process, but we're excited to really present it. And, you know, make sure we have all the pieces so people people want to back the game. Yeah, well, I, from what I can see, it looks really awesome. And I was very intrigued. And that's why I reached out to you initially, because I was like, this just looks really slick. It looks really cool. So from an outsider perspective, you're killing it. But I'm, I, I get it. The sort of strategy of social media and creating hype and all that kind of stuff can be a little daunting. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's intense. You know, it's our first campaign to really get a crowd and finding your crowd, finding your people. It's It's been a long and a long process of trial and error. And I really have to give a shout out on the podcast to the folks over at The Learned Lemur. They really gave us our first market opportunity to have a booth and, you know, be in person and say, hey, this is our, you know, outside of a play test, obviously. But say, hey, like this is our game. We, you know, we're in love with it. We hope you love it as well. And uh, you know, the Learn Lemur has all of these customers who are into, you know, the oddities and and goth culture and just you know vampires and all kinds of spooky spooky stuff. So we had this really great reception there, and people people fell in love with it. And it's it's really validating when you've been working on something for a long time, and people are like. Yes, <laughs> this is cool. So it's, yeah, that's been one of my favorite parts of the experience is, is doing it in person. That's great. So what what is, what's the next step for you? And then how can we help support you moving forward? Yeah, so the next steps for us is we're launching the Kickstarter campaign in October. So this is coming up quick. And I'm actually going on the road and packing up my car, packing up the game and driving to Salem, Massachusetts. And <laughs> nice. in oh, hell yeah. Salem, I have I have four market days where I'm going to have like a 10 by 10 tent and set the game up and, you know, like light up all these candles and things and launch the campaign, like launch the <laughs> Kickstarter campaign online, but also do it, you know, the grassroots, grassroots old fashioned way and do it in person. And that's, that's going to be my life for the next month is wow. living in Salem and promoting alone in the woods and just, you know, 
hoping the witch city welcomes us with open arms. <laughs> yeah, you're vibing with Salem for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope yeah, I hope to like get drinks afterwards with somebody. Like somebody walks by and they're like, "Yes, dude. Bring that game. We're yeah. like we're like just going to fill the box up with beer or something and just yeah. drink out of it." Yeah. "Hey man, do you want to go grab a potion after this and, you know, just kind of chill?" <laughs> yeah. And then you don't see me. I, I don't come back. That's <laughs> and then I disappear. You're absorbed into the coven. <laughs> yeah. So that's happening. Yeah. If you if you want to support the game, obviously our, our main page is on Instagram. So we're at Alone in the Woods Game. We're on Kickstarter as well. So if you search for us on Kickstarter, just Alone in the Woods Game, you'll see us pop up. You'll see my face on there. It says Aaron File, and you know we have a TikTok as well. We're, we've been trying that out. So. I'll add alone in the woods game at TikTok as well. So yeah, find us on a lot of those channels and you know, just be looking for that Kickstarter campaign and can't wait to can't wait to keep promoting it. Amazing. So you mentioned the learned lemur. I know of it. So we're we're all in Denver. We we've decided. I know about it, but I don't I don't I haven't ever had any interface with them. But I'm definitely thinking we need to reach out to them because they sound like our kind of people for sure. What are other things in Denver that you love that are related to what we're talking about or even just not related? Yeah, that's man. I I love Denver's just outdoor scene and just being connected to nature. That's that's given me a lot of energy to just embrace sort of like the alone in the woods mindset and playing the game with people. They're like, oh, like I could see myself play this game in a cabin. Uh, Oh, yeah. Around the campfire. That would be really fun. Like actually camping. Yeah, yeah. It's camping. like putting the flashlight under your face when, you, <laughs> when it's your turn. Yeah, it's it, you know, you could do that you could do so many weird things with it. Like one of the one of the crazy mechanics in the game is that the you know, there's the main table where you play the game and then there's the woods boards and these are separate boards and these are placed in different rooms around your house or in different spaces. And every round of the game everybody gets up and they go into the woods drawing cards looking for resources. So people see that and they're like, oh, we could take that to the actual woods. And I'm like, dude, you're going to die. That's how like that's Although, the thing people do. <laughs> any press is good press, though, right? Like, <laughs> Let's go. It's either that or a saber tooth. So you you're know, like you know. on the box, it said, ask your mom and don't actually play in the woods like they did it anyway. It's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 a crazy it's wild that way. Obviously, the wizard's chest is such a sweet denver gem i was Um, literally there today oh yeah what did you did you pick up anything you know it took everything it takes so much willpower i stared so uh dnd you have that whole section with all the little minis oh yeah i stared at them i i had i carried around some boxes i put them back i was like you don't need to spend 45 dollars on trees like put them back but yeah i just love that place oh they're they're, and they're so nice (laughs) there as well if you, if you ask them about board games, like, hey, I've got a seven-year-old and we play these types of games, they'll know exactly what to pick out for them. Yeah. Um, when I was when I was having, I was like mid-nervous breakdown during COVID and I was like, wait, I loved D&D as a kid. Maybe I should get back into it. I went to the wizard's chest. I went down into, the, into that basement area where the D&D stuff is and the nicest man you could imagine who looked totally metal. You know, he had like piercings and tattoos and you know, patches all over his jacket. And he was spending maybe 20 minutes with me showing me around everywhere. And I remember asking him, I was like, hey man, like, thank you so much for spending the time. And he was like, I just love this hobby. And it is such an honor to help you get back into it. 
And I was like, wow, this is one of the most genuine interactions with another human that I've had in a very long time. <laughs> oh, that's, I love that story. Yeah. Every time I've been there, it's, it's been the similar experience. So I'm sure, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know about, or I guess if you, you have to live in Denver <laughs> to really know about Wizard's Chest, but if you ever come out to Denver, like absolutely pay them, pay them a visit. Um, oh, worth it. Yeah. Super worth it. So I guess in closing, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, if you're a creative artist and, you know, your passion is board games, I would highly recommend just working tooth and nail to make what you love and to not give up on it. It's been such a rewarding experience for me to create an experience for people and I think board games at the at the end of the day for me come down to experiences and that's why I think D&D works and it's it's thrived for so long you know obviously in y'all's worlds y'all y'all've seen that but it's because people have this individual connection to a game and they get to make it their own and they get to laugh and and be scared or, or nervous with others and when making alone in the woods that's really all I wanted was to have moments in the game. Oftentimes I find that I, I love board games, but you know, there was it comes down to a lot of math or a lot of farm building or other things that, you know, are are interesting, but I love drama. I love having this, oh my God, I can't believe that happens. You're a witch, or what like, you know, you were my friend and then you killed me. Why'd you do that? Or Oh, I'm lost in the woods now. Like, I can't believe I pushed my luck that far. And, you know, if 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 you're passionate about board games and you're listening to this podcast and you want to make a board game, you know, really reach out for moments that excite you about board games and just try to create that for other people because it's a very rewarding experience to see other people enjoy what you've made. Whoa, that was a great answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's 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 all I got. That's that's alone <laughs> in the woods, y'all. Mic drop right there. Damn. That's right. Okay, so takeaways for me from this conversation. We need to meet in person. We want to play your game in person. We would love to invite you to our table to play D D with us, you and yours. Or we could even we could even bring it in. You know, we can import it to to you and your people because we would just love to introduce you you know more deeply to the game shout out to wizard's chest in denver and learned lemur in denver we'll definitely tag them in the in the post as well because they're just two really cool things going on so yeah thank you so much for joining us aaron this is really awesome thank you all so much for having me i had a great time and i can't wait to play more games with y'all this has been this has been wonderful yeah thanks aaron yeah. And thanks everyone for listening to us this week. Please check us out on our Instagram or at our website, infernalschoolhouse.com. Oh, and we sell stuff on Etsy too. Thanks, thanks everyone. everyone.